are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. We, um, you know, are really glad that you're with us today, and it may be that it's one of your first Sundays here. Um, I'll be in the foyer after this service is over, and if this is like your first Sunday or you're fairly new to attending our church and I haven't met you, I would love it. I would be so blessed, honored if you would just come to the foyer and say hi. After first service this morning, I met five new individuals or families who said, yeah, we're kind of new here and we wanted to say hi. So if you can do that after the service, I would, I would love to meet you. I brought a picture with me of a individual from history and I wondered if you know who it is. You ready for this? Anybody know who this is? Check out that hair. What do you think about that, huh? This is King Louis XIV of France. So Louis was the king of France for 72 years, 72 years. And, and so he was called the Great. Now, some people say that he gave himself the title of the Great. Who calls you the Great? I do, because I think I'm pretty great. We don't really know for sure that that's the case, but that's what some historians say. But at his funeral, he directed that it would happen this way. His funeral would take place in the Cathedral of Paris. There would be no lights in the room, only one candle over his coffin to signify his greatness. And so sure enough, people stumble into the cathedral ready to be a part of the funeral service of the King of England. And there's only one light in the whole room, and it's over his casket. But when the bishop stands to deliver the message, he walks over and he snuffs out the candle. And standing there in the dark, the bishop says, only God is great. Only God is great. I kind of wonder if throughout history we've struggled with this concept of a king and we've misunderstood it completely. So I brought a definition with me so we could talk about it. A king would be someone who is sovereign, one that is supreme. And, and when you say supreme, you're talking about power, okay? This person has more power than anyone else or preeminent, meaning the highest ranking person, all right? And so we're talking about kings today. One of the kings we're talking about is Nebuchadnezzar. And so we're kind of saying to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, when you see yourself as king, we understand that you see yourself as sovereign, that you have more power than anyone else, and that you rank higher than anyone else. But the problem with that kind of thinking is a statement that we find in the Scripture today, and we find it four times in these two chapters of chapter 4 and 5. We find it four times, okay? Now, if I wrote you a note, and it was a couple of pages long, but I said the same sentence four times throughout the letter, you would probably think that was pretty important, wouldn't you? So we find this four times. You ready for it? Here's what it says in Daniel 4, 17, 24, 32, and 5, 21. The Most High, meaning God, the Most High God is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. 
So Nebuchadnezzar, I know that you think that you are supreme in power and you're preeminent in rank, but it's just not true. God is. He is most high. He is the sovereign over the kingdoms of the earth, and he gives them to anybody he wishes. And so you, you kind of wonder, you know, just a little bit like, what would President Joseph Biden think today if he was watching the sermon online? And for all we know, he is. You know, you just don't know. Uh, welcome, Mr. President, to Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. What, what would he say if we said to him, President Biden, we know that people tell you that you have more power than any person in this nation. And that there is nobody that ranks higher than you. You're over all the military. But it's just not true. God is sovereign. God has more power than you and God ranks higher than you. Or how would... Trump have reacted to that idea? Or how would Obama have reacted? Or how would Bush or Clinton reacted to that idea? Or what if you could somehow sit down with, you know, Vladimir Putin today and say, I know that you think that you're the person with the greatest power in all of Russia and that you rank higher than anybody else, but you don't. It's just not true. God is sovereign. And God has supreme power way more than you. And God ranks much higher than you do. See, don't you love this kind of talk? Don't you love it? Come on, don't you love it? Do you really? Seriously? Don't you wish world leaders could hear this? Who else needs to hear it? Me and, and you. Because all of us know what it is to be tempted to want to be the king of our own domain. When it comes to my life, I would like to call the shots, please. I want to feel in charge. Jesus, take the will, nothing. I've got the will. I want to drive where I want to go. Is there anybody, anybody, anybody in the room who would say or watching online, I feel like I've been fighting with God over the years for control. When it comes to money, do you know how God wants me to spend my money? <laughs> when it comes to relationships, do you know how God wants me to treat other people even when they're not kind to me? When it comes to the way that I spend my time, do you know what God actually wants me to do with my time? In all these years, I feel like I just fight with God for control of my life. And I want to be king. And so, let me take you to the passage of Scripture we're going to deal with today, okay? Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. You ready? Here we go. Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. Here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nation and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. Thank you. It is my pleasure to tell you about miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Is this really a pagan king talking about 
the Most High God. So, so what he does is he tells you where he's arrived, and then he tells you how he got there. So here's where we go. Here's how he got there. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home. I was in my palace. I was contented and prosperous. How many of you find yourself often in your palace contented and prosperous? Sometimes I actually do. You know, I feel like I have so much. I've been blessed in so many ways. Sometimes I just sit in my house just feeling contented and blessed and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. Listen to this. As I was lying on the bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Now, this is the king of the most powerful kingdom in the world. At the clap of his hands, a mighty army will fall into formation. Yet he says, I was afraid. In fact, I was terrified. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret this dream for me. And when the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence. I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar. After the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. You understand Nebuchadnezzar is polytheistic in his beliefs. He believes there are many gods. And that's why he talks about his God and the many holy gods. I think we have to talk about pride this morning. Because pride is a big deal. And I think it's central to what's going on here. A few years ago, my wife, Finette, and I traveled with our friends, Jeffrey and Julie, to Alaska. And so we're in Alaska, and I'm trying to remember the town that we were in, but we were just kind of out, kind of sightseeing one day, and we ran into some people that we were in college with like 35 years ago. We hadn't seen them for 35 years, and we bump into them in Alaska, of all places. It was kind of crazy. And so they began to talk and say, well, what are you guys up to? And so they talked to Jeffrey and Julie a little bit, and, and, and then they turned to me and Annette, and they say, so, so where, are you, where are you guys? What are, what are you guys doing? And, and here was my feelings. What do you mean, what are we doing? Are you living in a hole in the ground somewhere? Do you not realize that I'm pastoring Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, the greatest Nazarene church in the United States of America? Yeah. It sounds like pride, doesn't it? But it's truly what I felt. So, do you ever feel like pride is an issue in your life? Do you ever think to yourself, maybe I'm a little too proud? Maybe I've kind of elevated my view of myself to a place that's not healthy. Maybe my ego is a little larger than it should be. Maybe I think more of my capabilities than I really can meet up to. Maybe, maybe pride's a concern. So the king says to Daniel, Daniel, can you, can you interpret my dream for me? 
Here's, here's what I dreamed. I, I, I was dreaming one night, and I dreamed about a tree. The tree grew to be very tall, reaching to the heavens. It was very strong. It was, it was very big. The tree was so big, Daniel, that you could see the tree from every end of the earth. It was a huge, massive tree. Its leaves were beautiful, and there was lots of fruit on the tree. There was enough fruit on the tree to feed everybody in the world. Animals lived in the shelter of the tree, and birds lived in its branches. But, but Daniel, here's what troubled me. There was a messenger from heaven, like a holy one. They came down from heaven. And you know what the holy one said, Daniel? The holy one said, cut the tree down. Cut off its branches. Strip the leaves off the tree. Scatter its fruit. But leave the stump and the roots, but bind it with bronze and iron. And then the king says, the Holy One said, he. Now, we're talking about a tree, but it kind of switches like my dreams sometimes do. They just kind of jump around. He will be drenched with the dew of heaven. He will eat grass like a wild ox, he will live among the animals and have the mind of an animal. And he said, Daniel, I don't know what it means. And so Daniel said, oh, king, I, I don't want to tell you what it means. I, I wish the dream was for your enemies and not for you. But king, you are the tree. The most high God has blessed you and he's made you so great that, that you have grown so strong and, and so tall that, that you are seen from all over the world. Everybody who lives knows about you. You are the king of the greatest kingdom in the world. You have become so great. But you're going to be cut down. And you are going to have the mind of an animal. You're going to go insane. You're going to live out in the wild with them. You're going to eat grass like an ox. You're going to be drenched with the dew of heaven every morning. Because you're going to live outdoors as an animal. That's you. But the part about don't destroy the stump and the roots. Well, well, well there's hope. If you will just turn to God, you can be restored and your kingdom will be restored. And he says, King, you, you've got to repent. But the king does not repent. Do you know why? I think it's pride. Here's, here's what I want to say to you, okay? There, there's only one king, only one king, okay? But pride keeps one from embracing the truth that there's only one king. There are other things that can keep us from embracing the truth as well. But pride is huge. It's one of those things that keeps people from embracing the truth that there's just one king. Nebuchadnezzar says, oh no, I'm, I'm king. No, I, I know that you think you have supreme power, and I know that you think you rank higher than anybody else, but you don't. There's really only one king, and that is God. 
So let me just show you what I mean when I talk about his pride. You ready? This is, you know, two chapters. I won't read all, all of it to you because it would take a long, long time. But, but here's what he says. He says, while walking on his roof palace one day, he says, Is not this the great Babylon I have built? As the royal residence by my mighty power, for the glory of my majesty. Is that the most prideful thing you've ever heard in your life? Look at what I built by myself for my own glory. I mean, look at these words. I have built by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty. I mean, his heart is just full of pride. Look at what I've done. I'm the king of Babylonia for heaven's sakes. Look how powerful and great I am. Look at what I've done all by myself. And it becomes his demise. Anybody, anybody able to relate at all? Anybody feeling like, well, the reason I live in this nice house and I drive these cars that I drive and I have these clothes that I have and I eat like I do is because I'm pretty stinking good at what I do. I'm a self-made man. I've made good choices. I've worked hard. I've done all right for myself. I don't mind saying. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 18, we find these very familiar words. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. See, here's what the king finally says. Powerful words. And those who walk in pride, meaning God, he is able to humble. Those who walk in pride, God is able to humble. Will everybody get humbled? Is God going to humble like everybody? And here's the scripture that comes to my mind. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be a day when everybody, 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 and that includes you and me. There will come a day when everybody will say there is only one king. Just one. And it's Jesus. Do you understand this whole thing is about Jesus? Annette and I were getting up Wednesday morning and uh, we get a text that her mother, Ruby, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee who is 89 years old, and she's in great shape for 89, but she's 89, was rushed to the emergency room. And so we, we were kind of waiting for the next report, the next report, and, and there's rumors that they might do emergency surgery, and we had a lunch here, and after the lunch, I just said to Annette, do you want to go to Nashville? If you do, we should just jump in the car now and go. And she said, yes, I want to go. And so we did. 
we just cleared our calendar, jumped in the car, and we drove to Nashville. We spent all day Thursday in the hospital room with Annette's mother. Thursday night, she's sitting, laying in her hospital bed, and we were in the room with her, and I said to her, I said, Ruby, do you know why we came? And she looks over at me, and she says, with a grin on her face, yes. And I said, it's because we love you. And she said, I know. And I love you too. Good news is, she was discharged the next day, no surgery, and she's home and she's okay. And so I said to Annette on Friday, I should drive to Kentucky to see my mom. It's only an hour and a half away. And so I did. I drove to Kentucky to see my mom. And mom and I were sitting there, just the two of us, in the afternoon on Friday. And she says to me, I'm, I'm really sorry, I couldn't make your cake. And I said, it's, it's okay. And she goes, I really wanted to make it. And I said, it, it, it's all right, Mom, it's okay. There's this cake that she makes that I love, and it's just like the best cake ever. And she can't walk well, and she can't see well enough to do something like that. She would need help. And she looks at me, and she says, you want to make that cake? And I said, yeah, do you want to? And she says, yeah. And so we go into the kitchen and she takes her walker and turns it around. She kind of can sit on her walker and she's giving instructions and I'm making the cake. And I brought a picture of the cake and my mom thinking you might want to see it. Would you want to see it? There it is. Does that make you hungry? So that icing is called seven minute icing. If you want to talk to me, I'll be in the foyer after the service. Okay. It's an awesome cake. And then my brother comes for dinner, and we bought Kentucky Fried Chicken because, well, we were in Kentucky. And then my sister came, who was in a car accident four months ago and hasn't walked since. She's in a wheelchair. She's had her last surgery, we hope. And then in two weeks, she may begin taking therapy to walk. We're praying that she's going to walk again. And I was so blessed to be with my family, and I was so thankful that Annette's mom was okay. And... Then on the way home, we start getting texts and videos, or I did, on the way back to Nashville on Friday night late from friends who were at Chisholm Creek, and my daughter Morgan was singing in a band that she is a part of, and I was so proud of Morgan, and I finally get to Nashville. It's late. I'm going to bed, and as I'm laying my head on my pillow, I say to Annette, I am so full. I don't know if I can stand it. To be with Ruby, to be with my family, so proud of Morgan. I just felt so much love and appreciation for my family. Had you told me on Friday morning, Rick, you should love your family, that wouldn't have changed anything. I mean, I love my family because that's my heart. I mean, that's where I am. That's who I am. That's where I live. That's how I function. I love my family. It's, it's a heart thing. That's, that's in me to love my family. That's, that's where I am. That's where my life is. I love my mother-in-law. I love my mom. I love my siblings. I love my daughters. I love, I love, I love my family. That's, that's where my heart is. So 12 months later, 
Nebuchadnezzar is on the palace roof one day, and he says, look what I built by myself for my glory. And before the words are out of his lips, he is turned away from people. He is driven out into the wild, and he lives like an animal, eating grass like an ox, being drenched every morning with the dew of heaven. He's a madman, and he thinks he's an animal. And he's no longer the king of Babylonia. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the king? That's him. He's out there with those ox. He's completely lost it. His hair grew like the feathers of an eagle. The scripture says, and his Nails, finger and toenails grew like the claws of a bird. And here's how he tells the story. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. And then his kingdom is restored. <laughs> Greater than before. Something happened. His heart changed. Do you know what it is to have your heart change? Do you know what it's like when you say, I, I don't know what's happened to me. It's, it's like my heart has changed. I raised my eyes toward heaven. Something changed in me. His heart, just like my heart is full of love for my family, all of a sudden his heart changed. And he said, wow, what was I thinking? I'm nuts. I'm a fool. I did not realize that you are sovereign and you have supreme power and you are preeminent. And all along, I thought it was me. <laughs> I'm a fool. So here's what happens. Nebuchadnezzar and his friends believe they're in power. Daniel and his friends understand what it is to thrive in difficult circumstances. And so he gives Nebuchadnezzar the clue. Here's what he says. If you want to move from surviving to thriving, because you're out like an animal, barely surviving, if you want to move from that, here's what you got to do. Humble yourself. It's three little words. I was wrong. God, I was wrong. I was so wrong. I was a fool. What was I thinking? Have you ever been at a place in your life when you've stepped out of the will of God and you came back on your knees and you said, God, I was wrong. I am so sorry. I was so foolish. Humble yourself. Would you rather humble yourself or would you rather God humble you? Because God will humble the proud. Would you rather humble yourself or would you rather God cut you down? The second thing he says is you got to honor God, the only king. 
And for Nebuchadnezzar, he believed that God had given him all of this abundance and all of this riches and all of this glory just for his own majesty and glory and power. God just wants me to be a bigger, fatter, richer king, I guess. No, no, no. In Genesis 2, God makes man in his own image, and he gives him the power to rule the earth on his behalf. And he says, you're going to steward the earth, right? Are you blessed? You got food, you got money, you got cars in your garage, you got a nice home to live in. Are you blessed? Why did God give you so much? Just so you could have more? He says, Nebuchadnezzar, do what is right in the eyes of God and take care of those who are oppressed. Care for the poor. The reason I've given you so much is so you can share it with people who don't have so much. And so it's kind of a great story, isn't it? He gets cut down. It's really an act of mercy, right? He raises him back up. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let me tell you a second story. I'll do it in just two minutes, okay? Years later, there's another king in Babylonia. This is chapter 5. His name is Belshazzar. He is maybe a grandson or maybe just only the son of Nebuchadnezzar as a kingly father, but he throws a party. A thousand of the nobles, come, let's drink wine, let's have a party together. And he says, you remember the goblets that my grandfather or father Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem, from the Israelites, from the one most high God that they proclaim so much about? Bring those and we'll drink from those goblets. And as they're drinking wine and partying, there appears a hand, fingers, writing on a wall. He's terrified. He turns pale. His legs become weak. The Bible says his knees start to knock. (laughs) And Daniel interprets the vision. And he says, your grandfather was like you. But he humbled himself and he acknowledged that God is sovereign. But you have not done that. Instead, You have set yourself against God, and you've not honored him, and he holds your life in his hands. And so the words that you see on the wall, mene, mene, tikal, parzin, your kingdom will be torn from you. You've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. The kingdom will be divided between the Medes and the Persians. And that very night, Belshazzar was assassinated. And the Babylonian kingdom came to an end. Here's the point. Some people humble themselves before God and are restored. And some people don't. They die in the state they're in. Some people acknowledge Jesus as king, and some people don't, and they die in that condition. And this is the question of the hour. How will your story end?
You get to choose. So, Father, in these moments in this room, I pray that you will speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, as I believe you have been doing. And would you show us what is truly in our hearts? Would you help us to come to grips with who we are and the changes that we must make? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org